I think in that moment, I like got a little bit of the taste and I wanted more. That was enough for me to realize, I don't know if it's gonna be a reality, but for me, it's worth chasing. Welcome to the Just Women Sports Podcast, where we talk to the biggest athletes in the world about the untold stories behind their success. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and my guest today is Maggie Steffens. Maggie Steffens is the definition of a living legend. As a teenager, she led the U.S. water polo team to gold at the 2012 Olympics, where she set an Olympic record for goals scored and was named tournament MVP. At the 2016 Games, she did it again, winning another gold as the tournament's top scorer. At Stanford University, Maggie won three NCAA championships. Today, she ranks second on the all-time scoring list in Olympic history and is currently the captain of Team USA. Dang. Maggie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Quite an intro there. Wow. That Yeah, that is um, quite the list of accolades right there. I didn't even, I mean, obviously I knew because I prepped for this interview, but so impressive. I'm so excited you're here and we finally have you back to tell your story. You were on for our bonus episode of season two, but now you're back and we get to hear the full story. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. And you're such a good sport. You came right from the pool. You said you still have sunscreen on right now. So I I definitely reek of chlorine. I've got some, you know, Vertra on my face. So if it looks like my skin is smooth, it's actually a lie. It's my sunscreen. I mean, that's fantastic. That's all you want in life, right? Yeah, right. Fake it till you make it. Smooth skin. Protected smooth skin. Um, But yeah, I feel like that's probably the life of a water polo player. Always smelling like chlorine. Oh, always. Yeah. Never can get it off me. Yeah, you are first water polo player. Um, and I mean, from what we just read on the intro, I, who better to have on? I'm so stoked to have you here. And yeah, let's just jump into it. I want to hear about childhood for you. You you come from a water polo family and started playing at a young age. So just tell us how you got into the sport. Oh, that's a loaded question. I talk Ooh, a lot. Is it? Okay, so good. I talk okay. a lot, so this could take the whole time. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, uh, family's like my my number one value, and so it's always fun for me to be able to kind of talk about how I got into the sport of water polo and why I'm still in it because it really does revolve around family. But yeah, so I'm the youngest of four, baby, definitely the, baby. the energetic, annoying one. You know, got to do Are it. You? Probably. That's what they would That's say. That's amazing. Very competitive <laughs> with my older siblings. But yeah, so I'm the youngest of four and uh, the youngest of probably, not the youngest, but one of the youngest of probably uh, 40 plus cousins. Wow. Yeah. So I've got a huge family. Um, my dad is actually from Puerto Rico. Okay, cool. So he played on the Puerto Rican national team, um, played water polo and you know all the sports growing up on the island. And then was fortunate enough to be recruited by Picatino, who's like, you know, there's a Catino Award in water polo, okay. um, which is like the Heisman of football. So it's named after after that coach. And he got recruited to go play at Cal Berkeley and won a national championship there. Boo Cal. Um, Boo yeah, Cal. Boo Cal. No, <laughs> I was such a Cal fan growing Were up, you? though. I like, yeah, duh. Like, big Cal girl from the Bay Area. So yeah, I grew up you know, being a big Cal fan because both of my parents went there. So that's where my dad met my mom. And this is kind of where the big family comes together. So my mom is one of 13. Yeah, I know. Scary. Yeah. 
Um, so she's one of 13. That's my snug side. And they're all from Arinda, which is, you know, the, the East Bay. Okay. And all of the brothers played water polo at Cal. Okay. All of your mother's brothers. Yeah. So okay, my uncles. Okay. So both, uh, one of both them sides was, of your family, big water polo players. Yeah. Crazy. Big okay. water polo. Um, one of my uncles, Peter Snug, actually was an Olympian in 1980 when it got boycotted. Oh, wow. Um, for water polo. So it's kind of wild to think about my, like all my uncles that played water polo. And yeah, that's kind of where Stefan's happened was my mom met my dad through, you know, Cal water polo, her brothers, her New brother-in-laws were all playing there. And then then it happened. We stayed in the Bay Area. They had four kids. And I grew up going to water polo games. We used to have water polo balls around the house. Okay. And I grew up playing soccer. I was a big soccer girl. Okay. And so to me, it was kind of like, what is this yellow ball? I'm used to basketballs, footballs. Like, this is what I see on TV. I would go to all the soccer games. Yeah. And then finally, I was able to like go watch a cow water polo game and that was just the coolest thing. How old like were it all you? came together for me. I was younger than eight. Okay. Uh, because I started playing when I was eight. And my first coach was Marino Tool, who was a two thousand Olympian and big shout out to the women's team. So for those of you who don't know, water polo was or is the oldest Olympic team sport. I didn't men. know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Obviously. Mm-hmm. So, for men. okay. Yeah. For men. <laughs> so in 1900, so first Olympic team sport, and a hundred years later, 2000 was the first time women were allowed in the Olympic Games for water polo. Okay. So it took a hundred years for women to join up alongside those men in the pool. Yeah. Not a surprising fact. Not a surprise, <laughs> but amazing. And my first coach, Marino Tool, was part of that team and part of the women who fought to make that happen. So I was really, really fortunate to kind of have her. Obviously, like, she's an Olympic silver medalist, um, yeah, a pioneer of the sport, you know, a legend of our sport. To have her as my first coach was a very fortunate. Stars aligned for me there. And then, yeah, she came, started a club team, and all of the kids kind of decided, hey, let's give this yellow water polo ball thing a try. Yeah. And fell in love with it at the time there was no nowadays they have like splash ball which is like you know ayso soccer and 10 and under you know um yeah and they have 12 and under 14 under they have all the age groups but when i first started at least in my area we only had 18 under co-ed so i was a little eight-year-old pretending to play water polo i basically would just like follow the older kids around and drown and be like what's happening somebody just kicked me I'm going to hold on to his foot so I can get to the other side. Oh, my God. Um, but I loved it. I was like, I, yeah, you know, I was like a little puppy, just like so excited. That's amazing. Okay. So you, you were like destined to play water polo. In a weird way. Yeah. Like it's definitely in our family's blood. That is, there's no doubt about that. For sure. So you kind of talked a little bit about your like intro into it. I mean, you have this amazing coach who's your first coach Mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. but when you first got into it was it like an instant connection you were hooked you were into it or was it kind of like a oh this is fun this is what my dad did this is what a bunch of my you know uncles did but yeah uh it's so long ago but to be honest I would want to say it was an instant hook okay I love sport I did everything like I think soccer was probably soccer and gymnastics were the first two I did 
dabbled or swimming sorry swimming was first okay. started swimming when I was two um that's amazing it was kind of like I have three older siblings so they had to figure out when the older kids go to the swim practice I gotta go too you know <laughs> exactly um so all my siblings there but yeah so swimming first then you know gymnastics and dance and yep. soccer dabbled in basketball and then water polo kind of fell into my lap when I was around eight. So actually right after the first Olympics in Sydney okay. for women, she came to the Bay Area, started a program, uh, had connections with my dad. And so I was able to meet her. And uh, that was the first, I mean, I had met Olympians, but like I got to see an Olympic medal. Yeah. And that for me was like, what is happening? You know, totally. like I could feel it. I could touch it. I could see it. And so I think also through that, I had a connection with Mo. Did you watch the games? Did you watch the 2000 Olympics and watch the team play? Not that I remember live. I don't, maybe my parents were watching, but I mean, I was pretty young, but I have watched at least one of the games, the final a few times okay. after because my coach had it on a VHS. And when I was first learning how to play water polo, she would play it on a VHS and like on one of those you can picture this exactly. Like, remember in, in middle school and high school, at least when we were growing up, there was those, like, thick TVs that rolled around on, you know exactly. Yeah, I do, about. I do. It was, like, so, kind of like a metal, like, yeah. Yes, like a metal yeah. stand or something. So she had one of those because we trained at a high school when I when I first started. And so she would put the VHS in there and we would watch it. And she'd go, this is a foul. This is a goal. Um, and kind of talk it through, which was a great way to coach and for me to learn. For sure. But it was also cool for me. Like the way I was learning was watching the first ever women's Olympic final that's, where my coach won a silver medal. Yeah. So that's super uh, cool. Pretty fortunate there. So it's definitely an instant connection. And I think for me, the family ties helped. Um, I, like I said, I loved soccer and basketball and swimming. And water polo for me kind of was like combining all of those into one. And that made it really special because it was, you know, I, I could take my three favorite sports at the time and put it into one, which was water polo. Yeah. And then made a lot of friends in water polo. And it kind of just took off from from there for me personally. Yeah. Definitely instant connection for sure. I love the visual you get of the combination of those three sports. That is water polo. Oh my it's such a good, good point. Yeah. Water polo, you know, like you said, I'm the first water polo person on the podcast and a lot of people you know, I probably have never seen the sport or know the rules that well. And every time I explain it, all I have to do is talk about those two sports and maybe yep. a little bit of hockey and people get it right. Like the way we play is just like basketball offense, defense. We have a center. You want to get the ball to the center because they're right in front of the cage or the hoop. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the action happens. But then you have outside shooters and you drive to the hoop, just like in water polo, you drive to the goal, lots of ball movement. There's picks and then on defense, you have your center guard and you can play zone just like basketball. You can play press, right? But then you kind of add in the soccer component, which is, okay, the obvious one is we have a goal and a goalie. Yeah. Same rules. We have offsides. It's called a two meter line and same rules there. You have like crossing the ball and being in passing lanes and kind of working in triangles. So the way you see the game, I think is really similar with soccer and basketball kind of in the 
the way you work together as a team and moving the ball. Definitely. With the ball or without. And then we have penalties, the same as soccer, and it goes into a shootout, same as soccer. So it's very, very similar. And I honestly think I'm lucky I played soccer for so long and even basketball because it helped with my intelligence game yeah, for water polo. For sure. It's, it's cool. How long did you play soccer and basketball until you just focused on water polo? Now, I did soccer up until I was about 14. Okay. And in my head, it was like the biggest decision of my life. Mm. I was choosing to, you know, put my cleats away. And I had, you know, soccer was definitely kind of like my first love. Wanted to be like Mia Hamm. That was, I was number nine, of course, as every girl was. Yep. <laughs> and it got to the point in soccer and in water polo where I was, I needed to kind of make a decision, which I don't advise most kids to do at this age at 13, 14. But fortunately, I was kind of on an accelerated track. So it all worked out because I did join the USA national team for water polo at 15. Yeah. You, you actually, you don't think like 13 and 14 is the age to kind of, cause I can under, I, I'm the same way. I think kids should play a bunch of different sports and shouldn't yeah. pigeonhole themselves into one or focus on one just because like you said, you learn so many different things from playing different sports. Right. But I feel like 13 and 14 is like a very, that was, I was 14, I think when it was basketball or soccer and I went soccer. Yeah. I mean, especially as you're heading into high school. But yeah, I remember it being like the biggest decision of my life. I was crying. I had to call my teammates. And uh, it just got to the point, like it, it was pretty black and white for me, though. It was, okay, I, I had the Olympic dream in both sports. But in soccer, it got to the point where I loved the game and I loved learning and I loved my teammates. But with water polo, I loved practice. Mm. Like I loved the excuse my language, but like all the shitty parts, you know, like I loved it. Yeah. And I really could see, I had like kind of made a national team on water polo. I had done like ODP as well in soccer, but I don't know, my path just, it kind of like, there was like a golden road with water polo that I was like, there it is, you know, like I just have to decide to choose it. Yeah. And yeah, I think that for me kind of helped make it a little bit black and white, like all the bad parts of water polo, I loved and like if I had to run around the field and do like, okay, run around the six and run around the 18 and then run around to half and then run around to the, I was like, I, I just want to play a game. Like, you didn't want any of that. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> That's cool that at that age, that was kind of what helped you make the decision was this mm -hmm. idea that you were passionate about the technical, the, the grind of the sport. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely, mine was just like, I'm better at soccer. I'm really not that good at basketball. I'm going to play soccer. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you were also very, very good at water polo. Um, so at what point were you like, you know, you say 13, 14, you made the decision between soccer and water polo, but yeah. at what point with water polo, did you think like, oh, I have the it factor. Like I, I can't like the Olympics is something that is in my reach. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Olympics, I would say I kind of have like two moments. One was when I think I was like 11 and I made my first national team, which is okay. like not a national team. You're 11, but it's like the cadet It's whatever I'll call. I'll, I'll take it. I got a USA shirt. Okay. You know? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> but it was, I think we were called like the futures team. It basically was the same as soccer where you do age group national teams. And it was about 40 girls and I made it for the age group two years above me. Okay. And I remember I got to go to the pool, which I still train at beautiful Los Alamitos. So yeah, I was 11. I got to go to the pool and I was like the top 40 of 
the age group above me mm-hmm. and I got a USA water polo suit and a USA shirt. That was like what we got. Uh-huh. And I just remember being at that training camp and it meant the world to me. Like it was the coolest experience of my life. I was so proud and honored to get a USA suit. You know, like even at that young of an age, I think my perspective of representing your country, like I don't know if it was from having an Olympic coach, it like really hit me hard. Mm -hmm. And so I think in that moment, I like got a little bit of the taste and I wanted more. I love it. That was enough for me to realize, all right, like this, I don't know if it's going to be a reality, but for me, it's worth chasing. Like for me, it's worth giving everything I can to come back here again. Yeah. And then the the time I realized that the Olympics, I think, could be a reality was being a fangirl in 2008 at the Olympics. Oh, okay. So my first Olympics, uh, I was a fangirl for my sister. I think I had talked about this last time, but my older sister, Jessica Steffens, who also went to Stanford, she's like, Typical oldest child has set the standard and bar so high. So wait, how far apart are you guys in age? She's six years older. Okay. So she definitely like helped raise me. uh, But she's like my big older sister has been my role model ever since I was a kid. Still look up to her. You know, she played soccer. I played soccer. She did water polo. Then I was like, I'll do water polo. She went to Stanford. I went to Stanford. She did the national team. You know, like I, she has set the standard and then I just try to follow her and do it my way, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she was on the 2008 Olympic team and I got to be a fangirl in Beijing and I had never felt nerves like that. And I wasn't even playing. Like I was just a fangirl for my big sis, you know? And it was so inspiring to watch her play and watch, you know, Team USA. And um, we watched their final, which unfortunately they – won the silver or lost mm-hmm. gold, however you want to see it. To me, I I felt being an athlete and like being that connected with my sister, watching that game for me, I could feel how they felt, mm. you know, without, of course, like I wasn't in there, but my empathy was really strong mm-hmm. um, with Jess, obviously, and with watching that team. And I remember the game ended, obviously sad, and my dad, I have a really strong connection with my dad, water polo wise. And I'm also take his Latin, Latina, my Latina side, very strong with him. Um, he looked at me after they had lost. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had this moment where we like stared at each other. I was 14, 15 at the time. And he goes, like, now it's your turn. Really? Yeah. And I... It was kind of one of those moments when like somebody tells you something and you just like deep down, you're like... You're right. You, you like, feel I, it in your like, core. It, I, I could feel it. Like, I feel it now. That's a very, my dad's name is Carlos. And most of the time when he tells you something, you're like, oh, you feel it, you know? Yeah. And um, that for me was when the Olympics became a reality. Because not only was I there, right? I was a fan. I got to see it, you know? I got to watch what mm-hmm. it was like. I got to see and talk to my sister and see these girls, like, the girls on that team, I had their signatures on my wall at home. You know, these were my idols. And to watch them go through that, I was like, this can't happen again. But yeah, it was it was pretty surreal to kind of have that moment. And then the next fall, a little over a year later, I got to play with 
most of the women that I had watched. So there were eight returners from 2008. What was that like? And I was like, <laughs> like draw drop. Like, I think the best way to put it uh, is, all right, here's a good, this is a good like metaphor of it. So I didn't drink coffee at the time. Okay. <laughs> like most and 15 year olds don't do. Like most 15 year olds. I was in high school yeah. and we came to SoCal for a tournament called Holiday Cup. And um, me and, and a couple other like younger players, Kylie Neuschel, Mel Seideman, who, you know, had been called up to play with a, you know, real senior team. And yeah, I show up to the high school where the game was being played. I think we're, it was like Canada, Australia was were there. I don't really remember the other teams, maybe Holland. And everyone had a coffee bean. Just one? Like, no, oh. uh, sorry. Coffee bean is like a Starbucks. Um it's like a pizza. I know what you're saying now. <laughs> Everyone had one like, coffee like, bean. One, okay. That would be the weirdest. I think I would have maybe That's joined definitely the wrong a water polo thing. It. I've never heard of that before. Got it. Had it. Yeah. So coffee bean yes, is a coffee bean is a, yes, a pizza. Yes, a Starbucks. Yes. A fills. Um. Whatever. Everyone okay. had a coffee in their hand, and everyone was wearing like their cool parka, whatever, and like looked so mature and professional and like adult. <laughs> And, like, I was used to going to high school games where we, like, hold hands. And we're, like, yay. You know, yeah. like, not at all how I had ever walked into a water polo game okay. before. And everyone had their coffee and was just, like, chit-chatting and whatever. And so the next day before the game, I was with my sister. And I was, like, just like, I have to show up with a I coffee. I was like, did you go get a coffee? <laughs> I went and got a coffee. I'd never had coffee before. And I was, like, well, what do I get? Like, I've never had coffee so I was like, well, like the easiest thing to start with is like a white chocolate mocha before a game. Yeah. So I'm like, perfect. Uh, okay, sir, can I get one white chocolate mocha? Show up to the game like feeling just like a little bit more jazz part of the team. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to yeah. say that you like. Jazz, jazz does well. Okay. Clearly I caffeine. already have a lot of natural energy. Yeah. But like that's what I picture every time I think about joining the national team was just like, how do I blend in? Mm. It Like how do I fit into this team of like all stars and rock stars and like. How do I earn their respect that, you know, in my family, effort and respect are very, those are high on our list. And so I was like, okay, I, I just need to figure out like, how do I, how do I be a part of this team? I love that. That's adorable, but yeah. also like, I feel like so applicable. And you can see it now, right? Like you can yeah. see when a young girl like joins a team, it's kind of nice to have that perspective. Like they're probably scared, but I was scared out of my mind, scared out of my mind. Oh my God. But I was like, well. I mean, just got to do as they do, you know, and that tournament, I think I did. I was fortunate to to gain some respect in a weird way. I got uh, one of the games where I play in Australia. I think this girl still plays and she punched me in the face on purpose. Maybe it was on accident. I don't know. I Like I said, I'm annoying. So I probably was annoying her. Okay. And I'm a young player. So it's like, who are you? You know, okay. and I got a little bit of I got a little love tap on my eye. And I earned an offensive. So the ball turned over. It was our ball. And like one eye was swollen. And I'm like trying to swim. I'm like on the verge of tears. But I'm like, no, like show them you're tough. Show them you're strong. Uh, And I ended up, the goalie passed it to me. And I like went down and scored the goal. Like literally within 10 seconds. And then my coach pulled me out and, you know, had an ice pack on my eye and everything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm glad that girl punched me in the face. Like that helped show the girls. Okay. Yeah. I had a lot to learn. Wow. Like I was 
definitely nowhere, nowhere near where I needed to be to be playing with that team. But at least I could show my passion. I could show my effort. I could show them my respect I had for the game and for the team and, and for those girls. So in a weird way, it kind of kind of worked it was out a, for me. It was an enjoyable punch to the face um, at the end of the day. Yeah. I was like, you know, <laughs> I'll, take, I'll it. take it. How do you feel like, because I mean, 16, 15, 16 is very young to be playing with professionals you know women in yeah. this sport yeah. do you feel like you were a confident kid growing up do you just feel like you you had you embodied that or was it something else do you don't do you feel like you kind of learned on the fly um I think it was a combination of both you know I I think I have better perspective on it now just being older and going through this uh I I don't I honestly don't know how I would have answered that question like 10 years ago mm. But I would say kind of looking back, I definitely, like I said, I was definitely privileged to have the family I did because they helped instill confidence in me. They were my biggest challengers and still are, Um, you know, like there's always better. And that like my my dad's quote, um, he has a lot of quotes. He's Puerto Rican. So everything is like a metaphor. But I love it. Yeah, everything. (laughs) So we had a lot of quotes. But the first one I'll say is never forget your last name. You know, remember your last name. Yeah. That has like stuck with me forever. And I think that like helped me realize there's more to what you do. There's more to what you're living on in, in your own head. And that helped me kind of gain this confidence as well of, okay, every time I go do something, I got to remember my last name. I got to re- represent the values that my family has instilled in me. And I'm not just representing myself. I'm representing something bigger than myself. But to be able to kind of come back to that and, and be your home base, I think helped me with that that realization of there's always more to give hmm. and to always give your best. So I may be giving my best, but there's probably more. Yeah. You know, or the next day I can do better because it's not just for yourself. You're doing it for other people like teamwork, family. Those are two in the same for me. So I think that helped me with even my confidence. And then I think as well, he always says this now, and my whole family is like this, just got her MBA. Like she's still doing all these amazing things, setting the bar too high. (laughs) But, you know, he always talks about the biggest room in your house should be room for improvement. And I think that- I've I've heard that one and I love that. Yeah, it's a good one. And it, it just puts things into perspective because- if you can always realize, okay, you can be proud of what you've done. You can take confidence from your successes and your failures, but there's more to grow. You know, you always have more to learn. And with that, that kind of helped me with my fear of joining the team where I had all these professionals around me and all of these all-stars was, all right, I got lots of room to grow. You know, it's not like I'm jumping into this team and I have to show them that I'm ready now. I need to show them that I'm committed. I need to show them I'm dedicated. I need to show them my my respect. I need to show them my passion. And then I need to show them that I'm willing to grow, that I'm willing to learn so I can be who they need me to be in three years, you know? For sure. Well, it definitely worked. It definitely worked. <laughs> and, it, and it paid off because you, you, you went in with, the senior team at 15, 16, and then, and that was what, 2009, the summer after? Yeah, yeah. So 2010, I would say, was like my first real summer with with the team. Okay, and that's, you know, two years out from 2012 Olympics. You're still in high school. You're yeah. competing with 
the full national team. You go to London, 2012 Olympics, you make the team, you go to London and you have this insane tournament. Yeah. So what were, what were the expectations for yourself and for the team going into the games? Cause silver happened in 2008 and you kind of just touched on a little bit about, you know, they felt this pressure of only, or, you know, winning silver, wanting gold. So what were those expectations like leading into the games? Um, there were a lot for sure. And, and you felt them. I felt them, but in a different way mm. than I'm sure a Brenda Villa, Heather Petrie, they were three-time Olympians. This was their fourth Olympics, had never won gold. Mm. Uh, my sister, all the 2008 girls, I'm sure it was different than what they felt. I, I'm not sure I, I know. And I think too, that was, I will say one other blessing in disguise for me was my optimism and the way I, my Kylie Neuschel, one of my teammates always would make fun of me because she's like, you almost live in like magic world in your head. You but know, isn't like, that such I, a great, isn't that it's a great, great place. It's to a live? great place to live. Yeah, and I think nice. I will say I've had this conversation about other younger players on the team and there's two way to look at things, right? Like I was fortunate to look at even when somebody yelled at me or something, I was like, Oh my God, they care about me. Oh, like, they amazing. want me to get that's better. Like, yeah. Where somebody else might hear that and be like, F this, you know, like I'm doomed or like me being okay to be myself. It was, they had helped create that space, but also I kind of lived in this fantasy world where, you know, like we'll win, we'll figure it out, you know, like very optimistic. Mm -hmm. So I definitely would say there are always like two sides to the story, depending on your mindset. So I was fortunate with that. So heading into the Olympics, I kind of kept that mindset, right? Like I was really lucky to not necessarily have the pressure of a leader or a returner um, because I also didn't understand that quite yet. Yeah. But what I will say is because I had gone to 2008 and because I had been there and watched and like really felt what I thought they felt Mm -hmm. in the pool in 2008 when they had lost – it was easier for me to get to the Olympics and like feel what it meant to give your all to it because I had kind of felt in a weird way that I had lost the gold in 2008 as well. You know, that's, that's crazy, but also so cool. Like it's like, yeah, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps too, because I think about my sister especially, but then I also watched a lot of those girls, Lauren Wenger, Betsy Armstrong, Brenda and Heather, who I mentioned had been to four Olympics, never won gold. Like for me, and I had said this to the girls before, um, and it's kind of weird to think back, like I wasn't shy to say this. I probably overstepped my boundaries many times okay. and I apologize to all my teammates in 2012. I'm sure I overstepped <laughs> my boundaries, but I didn't know. I was just trying to like be a part of the team. Yeah. And For me, it was, I wanted to make sure that never happened to them again. Mm. Like I felt that and to have looked in my sister's face and like, I was so ecstatic to hold a silver and of course she's so proud of it, but you had lost in that moment, right? And so to have seen that face and remember that and see those other women who were my idols, people I respect and love and trust, now I got to be by their side. Mm -hmm. Like now I was their teammate. And so what am I going to do? to make sure that that does not happen again. Like, what am I going to do so that we don't have to see those faces again, you know, or have those feelings. And so for me, that was the pressure kind of that I had. 
not necessarily like, oh, we have to do this because we did it last time or anything like that. It was like more of a want and more of a passion and a fight. Mm. And that helped me stay really present, I think, have holding on to that. And then at the same time, like I had dreamt of being an Olympian since I was a kid. Like we had done Olympic Day in preschool and I was like, yes, this is it. Yeah. So I had, I was very much so the young, passionate kid that I'm sure the older teammates at the time, like now that I'm a veteran, like you look at those younger teammates and you can see the, the passion and the hunger and the energy. And I that's all, what I was just trying to give. Like I was just, this is yeah. all of me. I'm giving all of me yeah. to this and let's hope that my coach, my teammates and myself have been prepared enough that once we give our all and our full selves, like it'll work out. It's enough. Yeah, for sure. We have very similar Olympic experiences uh, or like initial, yeah, first Olympic experiences. Cause I was, I wasn't as young as you by any means, but I remember the feeling of the biggest, like, obviously, like you said, watching the Olympics growing up, you yeah. want to win a gold medal. You want to be an Olympian on the top of the podium as a kid and to realize that dream. But really what was deep down driving me was like, don't mess it up for yeah. the older girls. Like my, my teammates that this might be yeah. their last Olympics. Like just don't, don't yeah. blow it as a kid here. Well, and even I'm sure at the time, like you were kind of thinking don't blow it, but I'm sure it was also this feeling of like, oh, I'm going to fight for them. And I think those are like, oh, absolutely. Because I was feeling the same way. But that's like what you fight for now is, okay, in my head, sometimes I can find myself being like, okay, don't make a mistake or like, don't mess up, don't mm. lose. Like, we're, we've been so successful or all these things. And that's good to have that mindset. But also, I'm like, oh, I love that 19 year old Maggie was like, I'm going to fight for you. Like, I'm going to give it my all. Like, you know, and being able to balance between the two of those is for sure. I'm sure as many athletes, it's that's the reality is just fighting that that mindset. Yeah, I feel like that's a better way to look at it as opposed to don't blow it. Don't say don't don't focus on that. Focus on. Yeah, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to win for you. I'm going to you know, get this done for you. And yeah, you absolutely did. I mean, you crushed it as <laughs> like, I mean, you were basically, you were a teenager at this, at these yeah. games and you want, you were named the tournament MVP. You guys win the gold medal. Yeah. You scored 21 goals in total. Like I'm just looking at these numbers, tournament record. Yeah. You guys in the semifinals against Australia, you go into overtime. So First, tell me what was what did that feel like for you? Well, which part? The the overtime part. <laughs> yeah. So overtime, the way that happened uh, was we were winning by one with one second left. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm stressed already just thinking about. That. I know my coach is gonna hate that I'm talking about it. Um. So we we're winning by one with one second left, and. I don't know if this is the same. This is probably the same rule in basketball as is all water polo rules. But our coach, who is probably going to be like, to me, in the future, people are going to be talking about him like Wooden, you know, in terms mm. of water polo for sure. But he called a timeout and we didn't have full possession of the ball. Oh, no. So this led to like five minutes of the refs you know, talking and no one knew what was going on. I had a bloody nose. So like, I thought it was my fault. I thought like I had done something wrong. Everyone's just like confused. And then all of a sudden they call a penalty. Oh my gosh. So the other team got a penalty with one second left okay. and they score it. So that's how we go into overtime. Okay. 
So let me take you back to 2011. We had played Canada in the final at Pan American Games, which would give our bid for the Olympics. If you win, you go to the Olympics. Okay. If you lose, you get one more chance, but in Europe. Like, it's going to mm, be really okay. hard. Yeah, so like a playoff yeah. series. So okay. basically, like, this was the Olympic bid. We were losing by four going into the fourth quarter, and one of my teammates, Courtney Mathieson, just, like, balled out. She had, like, how my Olympics kind of was. Like, that was her in, like, one quarter. She just, like, okay. took the team and was like, we're going to the Olympics, you know? And so Courtney Mathieson, like, stepped up for us, came back, we're tied, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but then same thing. There was a penalty with, like, three seconds left to go in the game for them to win. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And our goalie, Betsy Armstrong, like probably one of the best goalies in history, blocks it. Amazing. So that sets us off into overtime and then into a shootout. And we go into a four-round shootout. So like we're in the record books for like longest shootout. And that was to go to the Olympics. Wow. We end up winning that game. And it was like 29 to 28 okay. was the final. And so it was kind of weird when that happened in the Olympics. In a weird way, we kind of were like, guys, we've been here. Like, we know what to do. There is nothing that can get in our way mm -hmm. of getting to that gold medal game. Like, we've been through this. We're a team. We know exactly what we need from each other. And it's kind of interesting. Like, I've watched that game back. It's one of my favorite games to watch. Like, if there are water polo kids on here, watch that game. Because it's Australia is one of the best in the world. Um, we played out of our minds. But all just, like, toughness yeah. and defense, you know? Nothing necessarily like beautiful, but just like a defensive team that knew they could do it totally. and like knew what it took. Because you'd been and there before. I love that. We had been there. That's the cool yeah. thing about sports. It's like once you go through it, even though it's really scary in the moment and like hard, you, you, so when, scary, you, when, you come so up, hard. when you come up against it again, you're like, oh, I know, I know what to do here. Yeah. And we ended up winning by two to go to the gold medal game. And then after that, it was kind of like, mm -mm, like, we got this. Nothing is getting in our <laughs> way. Like, we are here. We are loud. We are proud. Like, we are doing it. Totally. And you guys won the gold medal game 8-5. Yeah, we won the gold medal game 8-5. And we were like, really, our defense was really, really strong. I, I remember that probably more so than anything. But yeah, that game was one of my favorite games ever. Obviously, yeah. we won. I don't know how I'd feel if we had lost, but I think we had just come through so much adversity in that one game, but we're able to use our teamwork and unity and toughness and our our experience in the past to really like come together and come together stronger. Yeah. Um, okay. So you you're again, I keep coming back to this, but you're <laughs> a teenager. This is your yeah. first Olympics. Yeah. You win the tournament MVP. Like, at what point was it during the games that you were like, I am the best damn player in the pool right now? Or were you were you not even focused on that? It was like afterwards. No. You took a deep I, breath and you're I like, oh my god. I still gosh. don't. I still don't think I was the best. Like, <laughs> okay, you okay, know what I mean. Here's, like, <laughs> here's the thing. Okay, so basically before the Olympics, I think the most I had ever scored in a six game tournament, which is how long the Olympics are and most of our tournaments are. I had, I think like one tournament I scored 11 goals Jeez. and I was okay. like, whoa, like that's yeah. so many goals. Like that's really cool. Um, that, so that wasn't my role, right? Okay. Like I didn't come to the Olympics being like this sharpshooter mm. or like scoring lots of goals for our team. That just, I hadn't, you ask any of my teammates, like that wasn't my role. I didn't feel that, um, I, you know, I'm a hard worker, I'm tough and all, you know, I was a two meter defender, but kind of like utility player lots of energy so drive whatever 
not like, oh, look to Maggie, she'll score. Mm. Um, so the most I'd ever scored in a six-game tournament was 11. Okay. And so the fact that I scored 21 <laughs> in, at the Olympics, and I, I think I, like, I don't know, I took, like, I think I missed, like, six times. It was stupid. Like, I honestly, I was possessed. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I was possessed. Oh, my gosh. Um, talk about like flow state right but totally. I had not been that so it was kind of weird I, I really do I kind of talked about this in terms of that pressure mm. and, and I talked about this with my sister but it was almost like my older teammates and even younger you know Mel and Annika and Courtney the girls I kind of come in with for our first Olympics it was kind of like I had been so well prepared by my coach and my teammates that and you know tough on and challenged uh, and kind of had been through everything, but they had given me the space and they had given me the confidence that, and I think about my sister a lot for this, is that by the time the Olympics came and when that first bl- whistle blew, I kind of felt free. Mm, like yeah. they had provided the space for me to almost, I talk about my sister, like she, it was almost like my sister was like building my wings, you know? Yeah. And like I hadn't, I hadn't figured out how to use them. And but then, you did come that tournament. But then, but then once they were needed, it was like, all right, Maggie, like now we need you. Yeah. And I was able to figure out how to fly. Like, what did that mean? Yeah. And the the fact that I scored that many goals too, one, like I was just open. Like I was in the right place at the right time because I was unknown. Like I had oh. not, you know, so I look at some of the stuff and it's like, who's Maggie, mm-hmm. you know? So you're, you're worried about Brenda Villa. You're worried about Lauren Wanger. They were taking all the pressure. They were totally. taking all the heat. They were getting all the attention. And then there I was, and they were able to just hit me. And all I had to do was put it in the goal. Yeah. Right? You d- so and you like, didn't miss. <laughs> I was fortunate. It's not miss. It's definitely focus. Yeah. Um, and, and so for sure, like I was in the right place, right time. And my teammates took advantage of that and they took all the pressure away from me, which is amazing. I think that's Mm -hmm. what makes teams so insane is like, cool. I got MVP and like got to score these goals or whatever, but that's not why we won. Yeah. Like they were why we won. And I just figured out how to put it away for sure. You know? And I think that's, what's so cool. And, um, it it was kind of weird after the, after the first game we played hungry, I think the final score was 14, 13, I'm also weird. I like remember I'm the every same detail way. about yeah. every game. My teammates are like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. And I had never had this happen to me before in my life. And I don't think I've had it happen since. Um, I wish. But the whistle blew for our first ever Olympic Games. I thought I was going to like throw up. I thought I was going to, yeah, I don't know. All the feels. Okay. And I remember we got in our team huddle in a circle and – it was like USA, USA. And I'm just like so scared, but excited. And we're in our huddle and we had, this was what we did before each game. And, um, I remember our coach just kind of like nodded and then we all just like started nodding. And it was that moment of silence of eye contact, everything, the sound just blurred. And like all I could think about and all I could feel was our team and and our coach was like, all right, like now we're here. Yeah. Like we've done that. it. Like now we're here, just go play. And I think that's exactly what I needed to hear and feel. And the second the whistle blew, like I blacked out. Like yeah, you're I, I don't remember. I remember every detail of every game. Like I don't remember anything of that game. 
And then I remember afterward, I like passed through the media. I never get stopped for media. Like, who are you? And they asked me like, do you know you scored like seven goals or whatever? And I was like, no. Oh my gosh. I was like, thank God we won. You know, like I'm exhausted. I didn't remember anything. And so I think that just shows the state I was in, but also how my teammates allowed me to be in that state. Um, And now I'm like, I want to get back there. You know, like as an athlete, you're, you're searching for that. Um, so it was pretty cool, but like, I don't, don't let the numbers fool you. It wasn't like I was doing this all the time. It was a bit of a freak accident. (laughs) Well, what was the feeling getting a gold medal placed around your neck? Oh man. Olympic gold is, I don't know. It was almost like the first time I could breathe. It was like, Mm, yes, they put it on and I was like, ah, like, okay, (laughs) I'm going to let it all hit me now. But up until that moment, you're like holding that breath. Because totally. you're just, you're like, you need to give everything you have. And then if you are fortunate enough to get it, it was almost like the anthem goes goes on, the flag goes up, you see your family, you look at your teammates, you're like holding each other. And it's like, you know, like oh, you see, can really I, feel the joy. Yeah, you feel the joy that I had the sigh of relief as soon as the whistle blew. I was like, <laughs> thank God we won. Like, and it's over and no one can take this away from me and I'm going to be yeah. given a gold medal. But I yeah. totally, I totally feel you on that and that's so special that you got to share it with your sister and like you had such yeah. an insane tournament at such a young age and it was your the first gold for you know women's water polo and it's just and for Brenda and Petey like my teammates it was yeah. cool you know so cool so cool well you you deferred going to Stanford so that you could go play in the 2012 Olympics yeah and so you you end up do you end up going to Stanford that fall right after the Olympics yeah Okay, so, so so what was yeah. it like walking onto campus as a freshman with a gold medal oh, being like, oh, no big deal, guys. I'm just it here. Was, it was weird because I think I had since I had joined the team so young and had kind of like moved out, I didn't get to do a lot of – like I didn't do high school graduation. Mm-hmm. I was in and out my senior year because I was training. Yeah. So I missed out on a lot of like young – I don't know, like the hype of – turning 18 and like being a freshman in college and like your senior year of high school that was I was lucky to still do some things Mm. I got to go to senior ball but I had missed out on a lot of that and I had been around you know average age probably of like 26 for a year and a half and so it was kind of weird like when I came back to Stanford it was like oh my god like we're all the same age. Yeah. I don't have to worry about red. Like this is amazing. Look how much ice cream they have at <laughs> the dining hall. Uh, I can make an Oreo milkshake every day. Um, so it was really, really cool. <laughs> you can relate. I, I can. I can. Oh my God. There's late night. What? Like, yeah. What? Late night. Stamp yeah. Late so night. it was kind of, it was, it was amazing because I feel like I kind of got to be young again. Mm. That had a bit of looking back. I'm like, all right, you know, it wasn't my best water polo year. I definitely hit, I definitely had like the post-Olympic blues Mm. in the sense of like, what's next? You know, I'm 19. Like, it's amazing. I'm at Stanford. This has been my dream as well. But I definitely hit a bit of like a lack of motivation there. And I've always been pretty open and honest about that since I realized it happened. Yeah. But that's so Um, fair, though. Like, you won a gold medal at 19 before you even (laughs) enter college. And then it's like, well, I've been to the mountaintop, you know? And it's – yeah. I feel like that's something that athletes have to go through. Yeah. Like, you, you, you reach it and then it's like, all right. 
what do I have now? You're like, okay, yeah. NCAA championship, which I never won one. You won three. So like, <laughs> good for you. Well, you I know? think like even with that, with the NC2As, it took me losing one to yeah. realize how much I cared about it as well. And like how important it was to me as well. Do you feel like um, that was like the moment or not the moment, but like what helped you kind of snap back into being like, yeah. I'm motivated. I really want this. Yeah. I think, um, well, to take it back to the Stanford part, I, I think coming in as an Olympian was kind of funny at Stanford because everyone has an amazing story. So like you come in, you're like, cool. Like I went, it's like everyone at your dorm, I was Sarah, Pirates of the Serbian. And it was like, okay, you know, oh, Maggie went to the Olympics and like has cool. a full medal and it was cool. And then it was like, blah, 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 um, is the prince of wherever. Yeah. And then the next person was like, oh, I've started my own company and done this. And then the next person's like, I lived in Africa and started a fundraiser to, you know, build a new community so that these kids can go to college. And I'm just like, I've done shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who am I? I'm not cool. Like, who are all these Stanford people who are way cooler than me? Um, so I think it was really humbling and I think it just was a reminder that everyone has their own story and everyone has their own interesting journey that they've been on and one's not better than the other, Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, they're all different. And then, so I think that was really cool at Stanford to have gone through that. So I think if anything, it was the best place for me to go. Um, obviously like Stanford, I love Stanford and made many friends that year, but definitely I think we lost NC2As that year. And then we went to, I joined Team USA again that summer. We went to Worlds and we got fifth. Ooh. And I think especially after those two, it was a big click for me of, okay, mm. look, I need to do some self-reflection. Like this isn't who I want to be. I've lost a little bit of who I am. I'm motivated. I'm optimistic. I'm passionate. You know, I'm, I always give my full effort, you know, and um, I wasn't necessarily that person. And so for me to have noticed that on such a big stage, you know, it was unfortunate, but, and it's not like we played that bad. Like we got, we lost in the final at NC2As. Like we got fifth and we won a shootout to get fifth. Just, you know, we had lost against Spain in the quarterfinal in Spain with like 13,000 fans. So it wasn't like this crazy thing happened necessarily. It was like the worst games of our lives or anything, but it was enough for me to reflect and be like, all right, this isn't, this isn't who I want to be. Yeah. So let's, let's figure this out so that when I come back next year, sophomore year at Stanford, I can be a sharp knife again. You know, I'm not a dull knife. I don't like being a dull knife. You know, I want to be a sharp knife. And Nobody wants a butter knife. Everyone no wants one wants a knife. butter knife. Yeah. You know, I wanted those nice. Like I have one standard. It's like Japanese. Yeah, cut exactly. Anything. Nice chopping Beautiful. knife. Yep. That's what I want to be. <laughs> totally. And gotta uh, sharpen that. Like, gotta sharpen it. I was, I was dull, you know, I was like one of those ones you want to just throw out. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was a really good learning experience for me though. Um, and then fortunately the next three years, you know, we, yeah, we made it happen. You so. sharpened it up and you sharpened go, it up and you win three. Really? Like I always, I know that Stanford women's waterfall is so I good, wanted but I was four. just like, come on. Like I didn't get any and she has three. Like it kills me when I do these interviews and people have multiple national championships with their college, especially Stanford. So yeah, I mean, card. just incredible. And I, I love Stanford was the first place that I saw a water polo game. So um, Stanford was the first place I saw a uh, soccer. There you go. And so, I mean, yeah, you're just, I'm like, not bad. You, you had, you had a little bit of a dip, but then you, yeah. As does everyone. Exactly. And it's kind of like, I feel like as athletes, you have to go through that. It's just part of, that's just part of the journey. Like that's anyone's career. No one's career is just a straight 
line to the well, top. You said it. You said it really well. And like I told you, I like live in metaphors because my dad. But it does kind of come back to the mountaintop thing. And I went on like a solo trip after the Olympics, uh, or actually after. 2017 so after nc2a's and i was in new zealand i just went to new zealand for three weeks to like explore and amazing by yourself yeah yeah i ended up meeting my one of my best friends from stanford jess chisholm who was a field hockey player there for a week and then i did two weeks on my own and i went on this hike and Mm -hmm. i like thought i got to the top and i was so excited because i was exhausted yeah I got to the top and I was like, took a selfie. I was like, I made it. And then like in my selfie, I'm like, oh my God, there's another peak. (laughs) So I was like, all right. Okay. Can't like, I got to keep going. Got to the next peak. And like, same thing. I did a selfie. So embarrassing too. I like have eight selfies. And, and then in the selfie, same thing. I was like, oh my God, there's another peak. And it was like a really cool visual for me to think about my, my career thus far of every time you think you've gotten to the peak, it's important to take that selfie, you know, in a way and celebrate it and enjoy that you've made it to the top, but there's always another mountain peak for you to climb. And that like has really helped me and really stuck with me. And even after the Olympics in Rio, I remember thinking, all right, I get one more year at Stanford. Uh, I was a grandma, but I get one more year at Stanford and I get one more chance at the NC2As and I'm not I want to make sure I'm the Maggie I want to be for the team mm. that I wasn't in 2012, you know, after yeah. the Olympics. And I think having that that experience my freshman year and then being able to come back as a senior and having that perspective, you know, I was like, all right, there is that other mountain peak and I have so much more to get better. Like mm-hmm. I can be so much better than, you know, even what winning a gold medal at the Olympics and it was a really cool ending for me as well for my senior year, like scored the winning goal. Never thought that would happen either. Scored like the winning goal with seven seconds left. Yeah. Nine seconds left. And you scored nine. three goals in that game against UCLA. And that is <laughs> like, that's insane. I'm serious. Yeah, so it was, it's crazy. It was kind of cool to, I don't know, be like, okay, you can do it. Yeah. You, you can reach a mountain fall off, come down or whatever, slide down, snowboard down, however you want to get down, but then do it again, but yeah. in a different way, you know, um, naturally stuck with me for sure. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think, I mean, again, that's just how, that's how sports is. Like there's always a championship. You, you win one and it's like, all right, you've won it. Now you got to go What's next? Yeah, like, when the next not one. Not what's next. Like, what can I do? Which is kind of where I was. Instead, it's like, all right. Like, yeah, let's get after I, it. Time to improve. Room for improvement. Like, totally. let's go. You know? Totally. So you have you have two Olympic gold medals. Do you also, just so everybody knows listening, 2016, you go back, you're captain of the team this time. Yeah. You lead the tournament goals again, and you are named <laughs> Olympics MVP again. So what is now? You've, you've done this twice. You're, you've done yeah. this twice. And now yes. you're going into you're going into the 2021. I, I think they're calling it 2020 still Tokyo 2020, but it's yeah, the I 2020 don't even know Olympics. What they're calling it. Yeah, yeah, I know. We were trying to figure that out Whatever. the other day. Tokyo, but, Tokyo yeah, Games, Tokyo, so. yeah, the, the Olympics that are hopefully finally happening. So where are you at right now, like mentally, physically? What are you? What are you feeling? Oh, nervous. Are you? Yeah, but like excited. I wasn't going to say that. But then when you were talking about it, I like kind of got quiet and I started to get nervous. Are you nervous because you like, is it the nervous of, ooh, I've had, I mean, you've had two Olympics. I've gone to two Olympics. I only have one gold medal. You have two Olympics. You have two gold medals. You have two tournament MVPs. You have two 
goal scoring yeah. records. I mean, no, to be honest, that didn't even cross my mind when you were talking about it. Like I nervous in the sense of like, I want us to win. Mm. Like I want us to do well. And yeah. I want our team to be the team I know we can be. And there's not much time left. Right. And so I'm like nervous because I care so much. And, you know, especially I was fortunate enough to be captain last quad and, and this quad as well. And, you know, there's that added feeling there, you know, like I, I think about the team 24 seven and isn't that crazy? It's like, yeah, you care so much. I just care so much. Yeah. Like yeah. it's wild. And so I think that's why I get like, even when you said that I got nervous. So I was like, my God, like we gotta, we gotta be ready. And then at the same time, it's like, I got to be ready yep. so that I'm who our team needs me to be. Yeah. Not so that I can do what I've done in the past. Like that doesn't matter. That's the past. Yeah. What what matters now is I, I'm a different role. I'm a different player than I was in the past. And that's fine and that's okay. But how can I be my best for the team right now? And I'm not I'm not trying to like score a bunch of goals. Like that's not what's on my mind at all. It's you know, definitely I think there's the pressure and you know, you remember that we've we've won. Mm-hmm. The women USA women's team has won or has uh, medaled in every single games, which means since 2000, now that you know that fun fact. And so at the same time, I'm like, well, I want to make sure I'm a good leader and make sure we lead our team to what our alumni, what the women have done before us have done. Like For they've sure. they've created this legacy and now we've got to raise it, you know, and yeah. which is like women's sports to a T, right? So totally. I think... For me, that's kind of where those nerves come from is like, I want to perform at my best for our team so that our team, you know, can get to live out their dream, you know? And I, there is a girl like me in 2012 can have that Olympic dream be a reality because of the older women who took that pressure from me that I didn't even realize. So how can I now in 2021 do that for my teammates as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm nervous. We're, we're, we're in it. We haven't been able to play any games. We talked about that at the, I think on the last podcast, but hopefully we have some countries coming here to get some friendlies in and we have one tournament before the Olympics. So hopefully it happens and I'm just looking forward to games. Like we've only been competing against ourselves. And so it'll be nice to, to see where we're at and compared to other countries again. For sure. I have, no doubt that you will be able to to lead your team to where you guys <laughs> you. need to go, should go, are worthy of going. And I'm really excited to watch you guys compete this summer. It'll be it's gonna be awesome. And it's like oh, I'm so thanks. glad we got to have this chat before you go to the Olympics so that everybody everybody can be watching you guys. Um Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Hopefully some more people will learn about water polo. Totally. You know, it's it's like such an exciting I'm sport. It's all about growing the sport. <laughs> yeah. No, I I mean, I have so much respect for I'm like I I have no idea how you guys do it, but um I would certainly drown and I'm a pretty good swimmer, but I would <laughs> I would not handle the physicality of it. It's um, all right. None of us should be, you know, allowed on the soccer field or anything at this point. So we're, yeah. we're total water creatures. That is true. Although we do, in 2012, me and Mel would watch because I learned about you from Mel. She was yeah. like, these are all the Stanford girls. Yeah. And uh, in 2012 in London, we would, I remember watching you and be like, go Kelly. I didn't know you. 
But I was like, oh, like we're, she's Stanford, you know. Well, I, I appreciate um, it. Thanks, Mel. And you for, bawled out. Yeah. For, yeah. For giving, giving the support. We got our repeat questions for the pod that we always okay. do. So the Just Women Sports podcast is presented by Heineken and celebrates women in sports at the top of their game where each athlete is unique and successful and has a story to tell. So who has been the one person in your life that has had the biggest impact on your career and why? Oof. I would probably, I want to say my sister. Yeah. But. But the person who gave me my sister are my parents. And so I would say them and probably even more specifically just because of the water polo connection, my dad. I mean, even if you listen to this podcast, I like quote him a bajillion times. Yes, so Carlos. just Carlos. Uh, <laughs> shout out Carlos. Cheers shout to Carlos. Out Carlos. He'll be so excited. Oh man. Don't toot his horn too much. <laughs> but yeah, I think for me, definitely my dad just having the values he instilled in our family and that main value being family and teamwork at such a young age and, you know, always representing our Stefan's name yeah. and taking that pride um, and using it to the best of, of our ability and his passion. Like he is the most passionate man I know and, you know, has helped helped me get to where I am today. And he also gave me all my siblings, like my sibling and my mom, you know, yeah. of course. So just my parents giving me the family I have, that's that's been the most impactful thing for my life, my career and everything really. Oh, I love that. Shout out parents. <laughs> Shout um, out parents. I love you, mom. Oh, that's so great. Um, all right. The other OG JWS podcast question is, they say work hard, get lucky. How much of your success is predicated on luck? Ooh, I think luck is a real thing. But as my high school t-shirt said when I was captain and we got to, you know, design the t-shirts because that's what you do in high school. I can't school. wait for this. I can't wait. Yeah, what we, did were, your we, were, we were the Monta Vista Mustangs, which is a horseshoe. All right. You know, we'll see where I'm going, Lucky. which is luck. Yeah. Luck. Okay. Yep. And our, our, the thing I always would, uh, or what we wrote on the back and actually a, a post-it I had on my mirror growing up was make your own luck. Mm, love it. And blanking on who has said that many times. But so I think luck is, is a part of the game mm -hmm. and I've been very lucky and I've been very fortunate. But at the same time, I think if you can have the mindset that you make your own luck, it can help prepare you for the moments you need the luck the most. Absolutely agree. All right. You got to put a number percentage to it. Of luck? Yeah. Luck to hard work. Oh, what's that song? It's like you got yeah, um, yeah, it's that it's 8%, like the twenty um, percent skill, one hundred percent reason like, to remember yeah. the no. Remember the that? name. Remember the remember name. the name. I think it's that should be my song. It, it, it should be your song. I think it's Fort, Fort Minor. I think was maybe the band or the, the Gosh, singer. I'm so bad at lyrics, so um, this isn't good. But I do know that. Yeah, song. I know that song too. That was a jam. That I definitely, I definitely listened to that getting ready for games. Yeah, I'm gonna put that back on our team playlist. Yeah, that's got it. We gotta get that in there. It is a good song. Shout out. Fort, Fort Minor. Shout out. Right. Yeah, you got to get now, like, he'll be on the podcast, you know? Bring him on. Okay, so what's the percentage? Um, I have no idea, but just to make my coach, Adam Krikorian, really happy, okay. I'm going to say 37% because he believes that's the most randomly used random number. Interesting. All right. So I'll give it a go. I don't think that's true, but fair enough. That's the first time we've gotten 37% for luck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it. maybe it's one. We'll take I don't know. it, yeah. All right, well, Maggie, thank you for coming on. It's been lovely to talk to you today. I'm so excited our guests, you know, after listening to this, got to hear everything that you had to say because I just feel like you have such a good perspective on 
team, even individual, just the environment and the culture that create success um yeah so thank you for sharing sharing your story with us and good luck Thanks this summer me. let's go yeah. team usa i can't wait to watch i can't wait to cheer you on um, dude yeah you too maybe maybe if i'm there hopefully um i know to- i always do that even for- <laughs> like us talking about it you guys didn't see but i have a wood i'm on a wood you're table, just knocking you were like so how do you feel about this summer or like when you're asking how i feel yeah. and i no joke i was like knocking on the wood like yep there you go i gotta make exactly. the team like i gotta be healthy you know so yep absolutely well thank you again can't wait to cheer you on thank you I'm excited to hopefully knock on wood watch you yeah. win another gold you too thanks <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Our show is produced by Just Women Sports. For more great sports content, go to justwomensports.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Big thanks to our presenting sponsor, Heineken. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and you've been listening to the Just Women Sports Podcast. Catch you next time.